Happy birthday. So, yay. So when's the last time you used a GNU tool? Oh, geez, I use them all the time. Yeah, right now. Right. The GNU C compiler, my man, mm-hmm. right there. And I've got uh, I've got the GNU Emacs manual right behind me. So uh, obviously, there's a lot of GNU in my life. And hang on, hang on. Wait for it. You know when you like a sticker so much that you just have to have like the exact right, perfect place to put it? Yes. And you it doesn't don't, really feel right. You don't stick it. Yeah. Yeah. You have that, that, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't want waiting, to ruin it. You're waiting for the moment. There and it is. The GNU guy. I don't know. I don't know where to put it because I want to, I want it to be around forever. I could put it on here. But that, that could be a thing, and it could be behind me all the time. Something you know? will happen, and you'll say, "This, this is the moment. This is the time. This is the place for that." And you'll stick it That's there. That's true. You, will. you know, you know when that when that will happen. When I buy a twenty pack of stickers. Coming up in this episode. You are so far away from me. We are watching out for the browsers. A little reverb focus. Community and Gen 2. Hello and welcome to Linux User Space. I'm Dan. And I'm Leo. Yeah. Dan, yeah. um, so you've uh, you've been doing a little reading here lately about the sea change in the Linux ecosphere. I just made that one up. That one's totally mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a long time coming. It took about a good fifteen years to to get the boat righted, yeah. but it looks like it looks like we're going in the right direction now, right? Yeah. So this isn't a whole history thing, but maybe we'll get to that at some point. Um, I kind of want to. Uh, please allow me to uh, stand up on my social soapbox here. Oh, he did it. I did. Get ready. Listen up. Here it comes. Listen, folks. <laughs> Check your Wayland hate at the door, please. Uh, Nate Graham wrote this great view on Wayland, but I don't think he went far enough. I'm I'm going to say it, folks. He did not go far enough. It was controversial already. Okay. We're going to take this further. So he focused a lot on, on I'll say on on like the video and 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 stuff like that aspects of Wayland. So here we go. One of the things I seriously dislike reading that that people post out there is when someone says, "I tried XYZ software some time ago and it yeah. it, it didn't it didn't do ABC or even worse, it broke my thing." I can I can never use that. Um, <laughs> all right, folks. If sometime was a little while ago, even, you might want to check it again, because as software gets developed, bugs get fixed, features get added, your past experience is probably not indicative of the current state. I I would say, like, even a month ago, if you tried Wayland a month ago. Exactly. You need to give it another spin. Because stuff has changed. 
Exactly. And, and and I'll say that's one of the things that we try to focus on in the show when we do the history things is to highlight that none of this stuff is stagnant and it doesn't stay the same, especially after releases of things happen. Um, there's There's a lot of movement in these projects. And to think that it's like something that was seven years ago in Wayland because that's when it started or whatever, like it's not the same anymore, folks. So that's, that's, that's my social soapbox bit. Like make sure you're keeping up with the changes. And I'll say that's one of the great things about Nate and his blog is he actually talks about the iterative changes every week, every week that they're making and, and the bugs they're fixing. Um, so you can see, you know, all of that changing. And then, you know, eventually it gets to, you know, a production ready thing. Wayland is that way. It is. Where if you tried it, I'm serious, the month ago thing. Mm-hmm. If you've tried it more than a month ago, you need to try it again. If you tried it a year ago, you have no idea what Wayland's like. Right. And it is so much better than a year ago, than six months ago, than three months ago, than a month ago, than in a lot of times last week. Right. And so here's the thing, like a lot of distros have already started to make the change. So like one of the things Nate talked about was um, how Fedora has this proposal for KD, the KDE spin to go mm-hmm. to Wayland, right, as by default. Gnome, Gnome's already there. Gnome, Gnome's already doing Wayland, although there's discussion of actually even just compiling Gnome without X11, which is... A little crazy, right? That, that, yeah, that's a proposal too. It's not. It's not set in stone. Um. So, like all of these things, like we're they're really pushing uh, Wayland to the forefront. Um. That's that's kind of cool. That's the Fedora part. But think about the other distros that also kind of push Wayland too. And I will say, surprisingly, maybe to some people, Debian falls into this because when we mm. ran Debian. I ran KDE Plasma version the entire time, the entire time that we were testing it. And that includes the break plus two episodes into our season. That's right. Um, I ran the Plasma session in Wayland the whole time, the whole thing. Not once did I switch into X. I mean, I might have just to make sure it was still working, but beyond that, I didn't really use it. And and that's yeah. that's saying something. I think I think that's that's pretty pretty awesome. But Ubuntu also, um, since twenty two oh four or maybe even before that, the GNOME session has been uh, defaulted to Wayland unless you changed it, um, which maybe you did. And if you've got Nvidia, it will change it for you, right? Well, uh, well yeah, 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 yeah. Because, a little safe to catch. And that's fair. Nvidia proprietary is going to take some time to catch up to all that because. I'm going to say it right now. This is the time for Wayland. I mean, there are bugs. I'm not going to say there's not bugs, but here's where I'm going to get into it. Some of the issues that people are bumping into are actually features. That's right. The bugs are features. Let me clarify. <laughs> You're holding it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you are, but maybe it's been done wrong all along because yeah. one of the biggest gripes, and I, yeah, I just called it a gripe. Um, is screen capturing. Let's think about that for a minute. So, X, you want to capture something on the screen? Uh, it just, like any application, can just kind of grab that up for you. 
Uh, yeah. That might not be a feature, folks. That's that's actually kind of you take a step back. <laughs> that's scary, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. So that maybe that's not so good. Additionally, I will say input devices, output devices, kind of you name it. That all falls into the same category. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Maybe not so great. It sounds very convenient, but that's exactly what gets you caught up. You want that convenience. It's not secure. I mean, like, security isn't convenient. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, so you- we, we've talked about it on this show. There's a slider. Mm-hmm. There's convenience on one side. There's security on the other. And you have to make a compromise. There is no ultimate convenience. And there is no ultimate security. There is a compromise. you got to figure out where that is in the middle. And Wayland tends to fall toward... At least by default. ...the security side. Yeah. Right. And, and that means that you have to sacrifice a little bit of convenience. Right. But... Things that are becoming Wayland native, as they become Wayland native, they're kind of, yes, they're secure, but yes, you can use things like OBS and whatnot to capture things on your screen because they're, they're, they're developing the back end that allows you to do that. And it lets you select those purposefully. It's, it's on purpose. And that, makes me feel better that not just anything can grab a hold like the security aspects right. of this we need to be shouting that from the rooftops and 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 we're not we're not doing that i i said it in the last episode um i i am a tinfoil hatter mm-hmm. and the ability for any app to grab the screen in x made me not feel very good about me running Linux. And it was something that I had just had to shove to the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yep, any anything running in the browser, if it was crafty I, enough. I know. And and think about but think about inputs and like, you know, key capture stuff. Exactly. Uh, hello, that's all your passwords and everything you typed in there. That's like it there's the potential for it. Like it's Mm-hmm. It might not be doing key logging all the time, but like some things can do that. And that's a little uneasy for me. After all, it is probably one of the main reasons that people, you know, gravitate to Linux, right? Is security. And here we're going to throw that right out the window because we don't, we, we can't, <laughs> we can't do the screen capturing that we want to in I Zoom know. or something. Like, uh, you forgot about something. What was that whole thing about uh, telemetry and privacy and security? Yeah, we would have talked that. about that recently, huh? <laughs> but you're going to run on X, are you? Because here's the other thing that Nate did talk about in the blog. You know, he did he did touch on this is it's dead, folks. Um, they're, they're hardly, you know, pushing on the chest now to keep it going because, I mean, if it's a real bad security flaw, they'll probably do something about it because like a lot of the same people that are doing the Wayland development type stuff are right are all we're, we're also doing X and so they'll probably patch something that's serious enough I'm not you know let's be real but they're not focusing on it so there could be things that are getting missed and, and that's yep. just the harsh reality of it yeah you better hope Red Hat or Canonical is willing to pay for that medium security bug in X right. to get those developers to start working on a fix for X because but their focus is Wayland. Absolutely, because 
what isn't said anywhere here really is that some of the biggest, you know, contributors financially to, um, we'll say Red Hat and some of those types of projects, um, you know, like enterprisey things, um, they want Wayland because they're using it in their products. Um, yep. you know, think of for the like automotive industry, right? You've seen the infotainment systems and whatnot that are going into those things. Some of those are Linux based. Not, not just spoiler alert on that. And they're using things like Pipewire and probably Wayland. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing all of that stuff, but the other, like Google is and as much as we love them. They're also a big proponent for the Wayland too, because uh, I think that's like Chromebook territory right there. And yeah, they've got a sure pretty is. darn large market on that, don't they? Mm-hmm. So they also want to go the Wayland route as well. And, uh, you know, the more th- contributions that are coming that direction, the less that you're going to see for the X. It's just, it's it's going away. It's, it's a reality. It's gone. Yep. Yep. I think... Um... So we kind of got into it with the telemetry, but uh, but I feel like I'm being um, consistent by saying that with telemetry, I, I do think we should be sharing that with um, the especially FOSS developers, right? And this is why. Yeah, this this is one of those underpinning reasons why. Mm-hmm. Um, but we should also be kicking the tires on Wayland. If you're not on Wayland, maybe you should be. Mm-hmm. I think you'll find that it works for 90% of the people. Yeah. I mean, test the apps that you normally run on Wayland. Mm-hmm. Run some games on yeah. Wayland. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, turn on all the telemetry things on the things that hook up to the things that run on Wayland so they can see that you're running on Wayland. Yeah. So that they know that that is a segment of people that actually want that to work. Because this is, this is one, of, one of my biggest gripes about Wayland. And it's been forever is that Electron runs in X Wayland. Mm. I mean, I don't know of a single Electron app. I know there are some because Chromium now does support it. But most Electron apps are pretty far back. Yeah, they're old enough now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That maybe they can support Wayland, but they don't. Or some of them are so old that they just don't. Yeah, the version of Chromium that's built into that is not new enough, probably. Right. So it runs in X Wayland, and that would normally be fine. If you're running on a 1080p screen at 14 inches or bigger, it's fine because you don't have to do any kind of scaling. But I'm on a framework, oh, which yeah. is, is you know, 2K-ish in a 13-inch form factor. Right. And that's kind of small. So what I would like hey, is to be able to scale it up to 150%. E- even my but, little 14-inch that's 1080p, some of that can be kind of small, too. So I want to bump it up to, like, a fraction not yeah. I don't want to go like a full half or anything, but like 1.1 is kind of the magic spot for that. Yeah. And so I have to deal with um, you know, just doing font scaling, which is usually enough. Right. And it and it works okay on the framework, but when you start pushing that font up a little bit, it things start shaping mm-hmm. weird. So um Ele- elementary does a really good job on this. But I mean, the the solution is to just fractional scale at 125 or at 150. And if that application, Electron, I'm looking at you, mm-hmm. doesn't support that natively, mm-hmm. it gets blurry. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, if, it's, if you can't just double the pixels, it's blurry. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't look good. And I don't like that. 
but I know that Chromium supports it. So it's not really a Chromium issue. It's not really it, a, it's a platform issue. Yeah. yeah, it's that Discord needs to hurry up mm-hmm. and rebase on the new version of Chromium in their in, in the Electron wrapper so that I don't have to worry about that anymore. Firefox is doing it now. In in 118, Wayland is now starting to become the default, which is absolutely fantastic. Chromium supports it, which means that Volley doesn't do it yet. But I think Brave does. I think everybody else does. Um, and if it doesn't, then you can go in because Chromium supports it. You can go in and force it. Yep. So, so here's the other here's the other catch on that though too. Like you said, you like you want the things you want to actually read your screen, uh, especially for the accessibility folks. Um, ah. There's another reason why you probably want the Wayland native application to exist, right? So that it can read those uh, things, and and accessibility isn't there as a whole probably for Wayland, and it it's unfortunately it lags always lags behind. But the more we adopt these things, the better the experience the people that need those uh, can can have too. I feel like because right. we can start working on those bugs, we can start getting that stuff uh, fleshed out and 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 working the way it's supposed to. Um, as yeah. we get the mass adoption. And and I think we're close because you think about some of those bigger distributions that like I mentioned that are that are doing it. I, I think that's gonna we're gonna reach a critical mass probably I'm I'm gonna guess within the next year, really. Yeah. So here's my ask mm-hmm. is if you're not running on Wayland and you have a system or an extra disk that you can install a system that does run on Wayland, Fedora, Ubuntu, mm-hmm. Debian. I mean, just by default, right? Like, I don't, I don't need you to go like do anything special, right? Other than just install the system, yeah, and use it a bit, uh, the way that you would normally use it. Um, do that, and if you can, file a bug. Right. If not, make sure you go in and turn all the telemetry things on. Right. So that it'll do it for you. You. <laughs> Exactly. Or, you know, when a, when an application crashes and it says, do you want to send the support? Yes. Send it. Yeah. Do, do the little bit of things because it is our responsibility, as is with telemetry. It is our responsibility as good FOSS users. I'll even go as far as say consumers, Leo, because we're yeah, consuming yeah. the product. We probably should give something back. No. Right. So if you're not if you're not throwing a fiver every now and then, just make sure the telemetry's on. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you're sharing what you can. And if you don't want to turn the telemetry on, that's okay, I guess. But make sure you're you like Leo said, you're filing the bugs or you're you're right. you're giving some comments, you're giving some feedback. The stuff you feel comfortable with even. Um but you're 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 giving something constructive that people can work from. Yeah, because don't forget that that FOSS is not a one way street. And if it were, then we'd never get the features we want. Right. It is a conversation. It is a community. It is a thing where it's back and forth. You have to. You have to give back, even if you're not giving back code. You got to do something to make things better for everyone. That's where I'm at. And I'll step down off my social soapbox for this one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was sharing the box with you there for little, a little bit. Little bit so. <laughs> but, you know, thank you for listening. This is the platform I have. And uh, there you go. 
Don't forget that you can find all of the soapy boxy things on YouTube. You know, on the audio, you hear it all and you could feel it all maybe in your chest. But something that you can't see is the way that Dan looks when he says those things. <laughs> it's it's a certain kind of special and I love it. I do tend to wear that on my face. A little bit. So check us out on YouTube. Check us out, especially with the history stuff, on Tilvids. And if you like the soapbox, if you want us to keep pushing the envelope, um, maybe throw us a buck over on patreon.com slash Linux user space. Just connect with us. All right, Leo, we've been uh, <laughs> watching the browsers tier two. So, uh, um, all the time. So, yeah, you, you, up the first one, I'll let you go. This is uh, Vivaldi's open letter. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Before, before I get into that, I want to say that, um, did you know, I, I don't know exactly how it's going to flesh out, but did you know Brave has an AI bot? Yes. And it's aptly named. It, is i don't know how i feel about it but um are you getting a kickback i don't think so but if you're in brave and you you're on the beta or the nightly channels you can talk to me leo yeah. you can talk to leo leo is baked into brave as a chatbot and then they're going to be opening it up, and then you can, you know, do all the chat GPT type things I, with it later on. I think it's awesome. I, I like talking with Leo, um, and I think everybody <laughs> else surely should as well. I, I don't think you get the same soapbox okay. uh, in the chat bot that you do in this show, but it is a Leo, so, you know, Maybe. It's, it's something. Mm -hmm. All right, so back to Vivaldi's letter. This, yeah. Okay, so we got we to gotta talk about this. Uh, Vivaldi wrote an open letter in support of the EU's DMA. Okay, so that's the European Union's Digital Markets Act. Now, this is roughly a way for the EU, which will expand. I mean, you notice the iPhone now has USB-C. The EU has a whole lot of pull. Now, I don't think it's going to come to the U.S. except for in California, Colorado, and Connecticut, because those are the cool states, apparently, um, yet early. But uh, the EU has Digital Markets Act. And this is a an act that is more wide-ranging, but that doesn't really cover what Vivaldi's open letter is. So it's a way to level the digital playing field so that third-party applications can sneak on in there and actually make, which is the the um, uh, twenty percent, which is the uh, you said it earlier, Dan. Why can't I remember this word? Where it's like the point at which you're cool. Quick, everybody, roll the VHS tape back. Critical mass. critical mass. Critical mass. Oh yeah, I, I, I probably did. Twenty percent is yes. critical mass for for being a competitor in the in the you know big wide world of like Microsoft and Apple and stuff. Twenty percent. Okay, that's so, that's a fairly substantial mark. Right. So it's th this is a way to level the playing field so that that uh, third party competitors can reach critical mass. And Vivaldi is one of those third party competitors. When you mm -hmm. zoom out a little bit and realize that Chrome and to an extent Edge and Safari 
are the big players. Those right. are the ones because those come pre-installed on devices. And the DMA categorizes those devices and those softwares as gatekeepers. Right. Yep. What happens is, imagine, as much as it might make you sick, you're installing a new Windows 11 machine. And you uncheck all of the privacy boxes. And you know that it doesn't actually do anything because... It does little anyway, yeah. But you do because you're like me and you're like, ew. Mm -hmm. And then you get to the desktop and you're like, you know what I'm going to do is install Firefox because I'm a cool kid and I like multi-account containers. So what do you have to do? You have to double click on Microsoft Edge. You sure do. And in that way, Microsoft Edge is a gatekeeper. Yep. So you got to go to getfirefox.com or go to firefox.com or mozilla.org or whatever. And you get you go get your browser, right? However you do that, right? And then you install it. And then what do you do? You have to make it your default, right? Yeah, it, it doesn't do that automatically, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. So you launch Firefox. Like, hey, you want, to, you want me to be the default browser? And you're like, yeah, yeah because I wouldn't got you, man. But then you click on the yeah, and it doesn't do actually anything it takes you to a settings page where you actually have to change it exactly so you have to jump through hoops mm -hmm. just to get it to do http and https and for some reason locally htm and html yep why but that's 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 the question that the dma is trying to answer the answer to why is no yeah. That should not be the way that things are done. You should have a choice. So, like a browser election. Ooh, ooh, ooh. That's All a right. fancy thing, so, huh? <laughs> yeah. So, Vivaldi has come out in support of the DMA because the DMA specifies that you just can't have a gatekeeper like that. You have to give consumers the choice, give them the choice of a browser. Hey, Internet Explorer, anybody? Remember that? Exactly. And when you choose the browser, do not force the consumers through hoops to be able to actually make it the default browser. There's one thing making it the default browser when you click on a link, but there's another to making a default browser to actually do all the things that browsers do. And Windows stands between you and your browser to prevent that. Yeah. That's... And not only that, for years, well, how long has Windows 11 been out? A couple of years? For the entirety yeah. of Windows 11's existence, it has been difficult to not only make it the default, but to keep it the default. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because as things update, it wants to change it back. And all of a sudden, Edge pops up. And then, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, hey, guess what, man? Uh, I'm your default browser again. Uh, do you want I, I got a new version. You want to use me, right? Of course. Of course. And no, I set my default browser a long time ago. Stop asking me this question. But it doesn't stop there because Outlook and oh, Visio yeah. and OneNote and all of the other Microsoft applications that run on Windows will sneakily open up your links in not your default browser, which is wrong. I've chosen my yep. default browser. You know how I want to open links. You know exactly 
what you're doing because you did it in Windows 7. This was not a problem prior to this. But now all of a sudden, it is. And so to, um, to kind of sum it up, Vivaldi basically came out in support of all of these things, giving consumers a choice, making sure that when you set a default browser, it stays the default browser. And after an update, Edge doesn't come out at you and say, hey, guess what? And when you go to download Firefox and install Firefox, it's not like when you Bing Firefox, it's not like, hey, you know who the coolest browser in the world is? <laughs> Edge. It doesn't do that. It should not right. do that. And when you get to the Firefox webpage and you and you download the executable and you double click on it and it's like, hey, you know who the coolest browser is? Not Firefox. Just keep using Edge over here. Don't do that. So the all that to say, the Digital Markets Act is looking to bring choice to the platforms, at least in the EU, and as far as the desktop is concerned, in this letter. Right. So... I agree with this. Um, I would love, especially on Windows boxes that I have to use, I would love to get the choice to say, yeah, Firefox. I don't even need to yeah. see Edge at all, ever. Just Firefox and make it the default, and I'll never have to think about it again. Right. That's what I do now. I just have to jump through hoops to make sure it stays that way. I know, yeah. So that was a good thing. I, I agree. I'm in, I'm in support of that as well. I think that's pretty great. I mean, even if it, I mean, sure, Firefox, yes, that's that's uh, we we love that. But I mean, Brave, Vivaldi, all of those are fine choices too, and they do things a little differently, so that you know, probably a little more privacy respecting in in regards to if you're going to use a Chromium base on things. So right. maybe it was a little biased of me to talk about a Vivaldi open letter and then just kept saying Firefox. <laughs> Maybe, so, but sorry, I mean, sorry, I don't Vivaldi. know. But you're not wrong. It doesn't. Well, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, um, sure, options are what we want. That's yeah. a lot of times why we go to you know Linux. But, um, but why can't we have them everywhere? Yeah. Oh, well, uh, Nate said like a hundred bajillion Linux distros in uh <laughs> in yeah he did in in his write up. So yeah, we like options. We we like to have. We sure do. <laughs> But speaking of Firefox, speaking of the parent company, Mozilla, whom mm -hmm, everybody mm -hmm. likes to ask, what are they doing with all that money that they get? They get billions of dollars, entire write-ups. Um, I, I have an answer for you where all the, where all the money's going. Okay. Yep. So well, I'm listening. Back in the end of 2022, Mozilla did a study. Uh, they recently wrote about it again. And uh, the, the article that was talking about it was, was titled, Deciding for Ourselves, 98% of People Want a Browser Choice Screen Mozilla Study Finds. Now, this is before the DMA was passed. The DMA was being yeah. uh, debated, but it hadn't been passed. Now, now it's been That's passed. That's a crazy high number. I don't know what the sample size on that was. Oh, but... trust me. This isn't, this isn't just Mozilla did an internet survey. Yeah, they physically went out. Uh, Germany, Poland, and there's a third country oh, wow. that I cannot remember. All right, but that's a lot. Yeah, twelve thousand people. Okay, that's substantial. The the lower limit to is it a good scientific study is around two thousand people. Mm -hmm. This is six times that. So 
Mozilla asked 12,000 people how they like to choose their browser. And as it turns out, they don't like being fed a default. 98, huh. 98% of people. That that's a that's a crazy high number, right? And so one of the big overarching questions was they they wanted to find out whether or not browser choice screens affect people's decisions, and as it turns out, yeah, hmm. they don't always go for the default, but you can be super subversive about it. And one of the things that I know will happen. Because you got to follow the letter of the law, not the spirit of the law, right? Just because the spirit would have you allow the consumer to make the best choice for them doesn't mean that a company like Google can't be like, well, you know what? At Android, we're going to put all these little dark choices for you so that you're we push you toward using Chrome, you know, because that's what they've been doing yeah, with yeah, Google yeah. for the past uh, 20 years. So, sure enough, what they found was the, de- the design content and timing of the choice screen matters. So Mm -hmm. selecting your own default before you have to open up a browser makes you more likely to select something other than that browser. So picture picture yourself just starting up in Windows, not you personally, maybe someone less technical in your life. If that person has to double-click Edge to go to get to a different browser and download the browser and go through all the steps and all that stuff just to be able to use that browser every single time and not have to open up two separate browsers on a, oops, I don't know what happened, but it's a different browser now. It turns out that if they're able to choose a browser before Mm -hmm. ever having to open up Edge and then do all that rigmarole, they are more likely to choose not Edge. That is huge. And they they did this test on Android, which meant that they didn't choose Chrome. Chrome, yeah. That is huge. Firefox's market share could shoot up. And that includes Vivaldi, it includes Brave, it includes Opera, it includes all the browsers you don't like, right? Yeah, any any of those, yeah. But this is something they found, that out of 12,000 people, if you're not given a choice or, 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 or given a browser to start with, you are much more likely to choose not the default. That is massive and a big part of why the DMA is so important. It makes sense. And it turns out, and this is where that 98% came from in the title, 98% of people out of that 12,000 said, yeah, let me just choose it. I'll pick one. Hmm. It seems so simple. It, it it does, yeah. Right, and and the companies that would have you believe otherwise are telling you, well, no, consumers well, would have uh, paralysis. They would have that decision yeah. paralysis, and they wouldn't be able to choose. So we're just going to give them one that is the mm-hmm. tyranny of the default. Yeah, absolutely. They want you to stay within the ecosystem, exactly stay within the box, and never leave the ecosystem. And uh, well, all right. So here, this goes to convenience uh, there in a way, uh, because you know, keeping yeah. you know, keeping it with what you have in front of you is very convenient. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to stray from that. People don't really like to, you know, work work at all. They want it given to them. So it's understandable. Like if you have just like you start off with a choice, you're starting at a different point in the map if you will 
Exactly. Exactly. And the big boys don't want to admit it, but they're not as good as they say they are. And this proves it. So the last thing that they were asking about was user satisfaction. Just, you know, how, how generally, how happy are you with the choices that you made? So the choice screens resulted in better user satisfaction across a ton of metrics, including ease of setting up the device, the mm-hmm. amount of time it took up to say to set up the device, and the range of settings they could customize. Now, an aggregate of 12% increased user satisfaction overall. Wow. So you give people okay. a choice, and while they might be okay with what they have, 12% increased user satisfaction when they had the ability to say, I'd rather have Vivaldi. I'd rather have Firefox. I'd rather have Opera. I'd, ra- I'd rather stay with the default. That is a choice too. And that is cool. Yeah, that turns into internet happiness right there, folks. Exactly. Now, if you wanted to know where all that money's going to stuff like this, to figuring That's- out how to make the internet better for all of us. And if you go to the blog, you'll see it. That's what they claim, yeah. And, and and so this is good. I mean, it's unfortunate that it probably doesn't hit the the hit your face enough. And that's why we're pushing it out to you. If you go to Linux User Spaces Reddit, or if you go yeah, to yeah, yeah. Linux User Spaces Lemmy, you would see this news, um, or the Discord, you would see this news. And it, it would at least come across your feed, and you may or may not read that kind of stuff, but it's there. It's absolutely there. They're doing this work and it's good work. Here's my soapbox as if I weren't already on one the entire time, right? It's okay, Leo. It's your turn. Go for it. (laughs) So here's my soapbox, but I'm going to start it out with a couple of things. The first being, yes, the money goes to social things like that. And that's all well and good. Now we know what people want. Sure. The other question that gets that, that gets thrown around a lot, or the other the other assertion is, well, they're just not doing enough to Firefox then. Maybe if they just worked on Firefox some more. Well, Mozilla doesn't just do Firefox. They do a lot of stuff. But Firefox is one of those things. Well, this one's for you, person that says they don't work on Firefox enough. So the thing that used to be an add-on, the translations add-on. Yeah, Mozilla Translations. It was called a first-party extension mm-hmm. rather than a third-party extension. So it was a little more mainstream as far as an add-on, but it was an add-on, yes. Yeah, it's like multi-account containers. That was right. first-party, or is first-party. Um, right. The funny thing about that is that I don't think it really gives it that much more traction because the people I talk yeah, about, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, yeah, you probably right. they were like, dude, have you seen Chromium Workspaces? Wow, and I'm like, yeah, I just use multi account containers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> I got you. Uh, because it's, uh, you know, I, in my opinion, it's better. Uh, anyway, so the translation thing that used to be a first party extension is now, it's just in Firefox now. It's it's built in, yeah. So you can go to a website. You can auto-translate. I, I know what you're saying. Well, they should have had this, you know, 50 versions each, or, but it's here now. They right. are doing work to the browser. The right. money that you're sending to Mozilla goes to Firefox too. And it's it's actually really cool, and it works like pretty much every other browser. You go to a web page, 
it detects it's in a different language. If it's in one of the yep. languages that it knows, the little icon pops up. You click it, click translate. And, and, and here's the big thing um, that needs to be highlighted. It happens on your local machine. Mm, 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 it, it doesn't go. It doesn't mm, doesn't send all that mm, text somewhere else mm, to do some analysis mm, 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 and mm. scrape where you've been and all of that jazz. It does it right there. Oh, man. You could say that entire part again. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Local it, it, only translations. Oh, mm. my favorite. And so I've I, I've been using this actually for a while. I've I've been. This is one of the extensions that I Me actually in, installed, and I've been using it for a while. There are a few pages that I go to that are not in uh, English, and that's the only language that I can barely know. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> Listen, so, I'm, I'm over here looking at 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 the like the people in Europe and the people in Asia that know like five languages, and I'm like, I can barely get by in one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Quit flexing. Yeah. So uh, I've been using this one for a bit. It's actually really great. Yep. Yep. It absolutely is. So I mean, another privacy win. That's mm-hmm, the totally. other thing is that it's privacy first. You don't have any idea what a lot of the other translator things are doing in the background because they don't necessarily tell you. Nope. Up front. And the other is you got I mean, we live we live in a Google world as much as I don't like it. We live in a Kinda Google do. world and Google Meet links be getting thrown around yeah. all the time. I have to use them for work. I get it. Uh, one thing that Firefox has not been able to do and one of the common complaints that I hear all the time about in Firefox is that it doesn't work well with Google this or Google that or whatever. Well, they've added video effects and background blur. Those are now available to you in Firefox. So if you were missing those, if that was a reason why you weren't using it or using it as much, that's been fixed. And just like the Wayland thing, if you haven't tried Firefox in a while, you should try it again. Absolutely. Because these little incremental upgrades, little fixes that get put in are not front and center on the release notes. So most of the news sites that tell you about, well, Firefox is coming out and this is what it does. Don't go deep enough into the release notes to tell you this now works because Mm -hmm. a lot of that stuff is very personal. Those kinds of things are something that you or you and your friends do. So if you've been doing it on Chrome, Vivaldi and Brave, maybe Opera to a smaller extent, get a pass. It's time to ditch Chrome and fall in love with Firefox again. They just make it better all the time. And so I'm I'm right there with you. I I've actually so Vivaldi is like one of my favorites. Don't get me wrong. Got uh, got some great features of it's it. It's the plasma of browsers, man. Every feature you'd ever want. It, it is. Um, I don't use all of it, but I use some of it, and I like the things that I use, and that's pretty much the only place you can get them. So I use that, but I've been using, I think, a Firefox quite a bit more as of late um, mm-hmm. because it is just getting better all the time. Yep, yep, yep. It absolutely is. So if you haven't tried it lately, try it again. Uh, it's it's really, really good. Yeah. The other place that I've been using it, not just on my desktop, right? So I've been using it on my phone again because Leo talked me into it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> because, because you can it was, get add-ons on it. 
Yeah, you can. And uh, <laughs> it was it was a little bit terrible there for a little while. It just kind of was real crashy. Um, no arguments. It was. Um, but but it's it's been super solid. Um, the last little bit. Um, and so that's 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 pretty great experience as well. The baked in Firefox ad blocker is pretty good, but there's nothing mm-hmm. like having uBlock on your phone. I know uBlock. Love that one. It's my favorite add on. So catch these. You know, the Mozilla ones and other great topics as they unfold on our Lemmy instance, our subreddit, our news channel, our Discord. Oh, wait, news channel on Discord. So if you haven't been, linuxuserspace.show slash, I think it's right above me. So I'm going to point like this. I'm going to point like this because it's right there on the YouTube right here. Lemmy, Reddit, Discord, Mastodon, Telegram, Matrix, Twitch, Twitter. It's there. Go check them out. They are a bastion of all of the uh-huh. dumb stuff that I say all the time. Dan says much smarter things than me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes. He said it. It's awesome. So check it out. Uh, come join the community. Come have a chat. Um, I think I think uh, Dan and I are a very accessible pair. Uh, we like to yeah 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 we should we like to, at least once or twice daily uh, yeah we get down <laughs> in the weeds i just helped somebody figure out how to install zoom on their new ubuntu install which is yeah, super cool man cool. yeah mm-hmm. i i did by the way tell them to install the snap i hope that was a good thing that was a good thing right uh, it was an easy way to go Z- zoom and snap is cool it's not uh-oh um i don't know okay it, it worked for is, them so is, i guess it was cool is the dev better i don't know now I don't, I don't know. know. It, it's probably eh, it's a little more complicated to install, no? Right. So you know, one command, easy peasy, because they asked for a command. Yeah, and they they were you could tell they're they're new, they're yep. they're learning. Yep. And so it's it's probably a good place to start. Well, I, I like it. I absolutely like it. They at the very least you got Zoom. Um, if that doesn't work very very well for you, it worked for them. So that's the most important thing. Exactly. But if not, I mean, if you have troubles with it. That's what the Telegram channel is for. That's where the question was asked, and that's where I'll be, and that's where I'll keep an eye out. And if there's any issues, then I will absolutely help you install the Deb. Because, you know, that's just what cool community people do, right? Yep, yep. So totally (laughs) at Leo. Yeah, 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 yeah. When when it breaks, (laughs) I'm your guy. Next up is our Reverb Focus and uh, starting us off, here's Stewie. So Stewie on the Gentoo check-in, he says, have either of you considered ditching Grub? Gentoo doesn't need it if you're on EFI. And you're absolutely correct. However, mm-hmm. um, as new Gentoo folks, yeah. I chose to follow the handbook, at least <laughs> for the first time through. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm using Grub. Um, yeah, certainly don't need to do that because you can totally just, uh, point the thing at, you know, whatever EFI directory yeah. you, you want it to boot. Um, and that's cool. Uh, like Grub is tried and true though. So, and, and as we talked about earlier, it's one of the GNU utilities. It is. Ah, of course it is. Of course it is. So, I mean, that's a good thing, bad thing. I don't know. But, like, there it is. Like, it's it's been around for a little bit. And it 
kind of works. So I don't know. I sort of default there, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think my, my main thing was um, I'm doing it in a VM first because I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to. Uh, well, not. Okay. I say this. This is why. No, that's a good learning, good way to learn. <clears throat> it is. I haven't learned anything. Let me tell you why. So <laughs> I had to. Uh, we're, we're doing CDE. We'll try to help you out, Leo. <laughs> I I know. There's. I don't think there's helping. I don't think you can. Uh, I I will accept what I get, but <laughs> you got to work real hard, Dan. You have been. I appreciate it. <laughs> but I installed Sparky. Uh, mm. I accidentally chose the wrong disk. Um, I blew, um, I blew away Debian on oh. accident and <clears throat> oh, that's sad. Yeah, it is because I was planning on keeping that Debian install for like a while, but okay. But it was to install CDE, right? Anyway, all that to say, I'm, I'm bad at things sometimes. And this is why I haven't really gone away from the handbook. I'm, I'm staying as super simple as possible so for right now, on the VM in my in my sandbox, uh, we're we're keeping it to grub. We're keeping it as simple. I even have it. It's on BIOS, man. Like like old um, legacy style boot too. Yeah, uh, I didn't even I didn't simple. even dare yeah. tread the UEFI waters just yet. But yeah, eventually it's gonna be on this machine for real. If uh, this is just secure shell right here. Um, so, but when it is when it's on this machine for real. Um, I, I I want to. I want to do the full UEFI thing, and I very well may skip. But I have multiple. I, I always have at least two going on over mm -hmm. here, so yeah. I will at least need Grub on the other one, and then yeah, I, I guess fair. I will let the system kind of be like, oh, there's a stub here, kind of do its thing. Right, but, right, right, right. Yeah. So one day, Stewie, I'm not as smart as you. One day, I'll do it. I guess we're just keeping the training wheels on for now. Um, as we get our feet wet into the Gen 2 land, um, just kind of keeping things simple. And yeah, I know the handbook does help you get to other solutions as well. But I think the examples sort of point out Grub as the, as the way, just because it is fairly popular. And so that's the path we chose. Well, I don't, very few... What else is there? I mean, there, there's system deboot. Yeah, yeah, I think system the deboot end. Is... That's the end of the list <laughs> uh, for, for popular things. I... Oh, for sure. I think system deboot is the other one uh, that might be mentioned in, or at least a right. a, a way to get there in the handbook. Uh, so because even even a... Slackware is considering dropping Lilo because they it's, are it's... and e Lilo. Yeah, yeah, Both. yeah, yeah. There, there's just it's they're going grub. So they're looking at Grub, yeah. That was uh, there was a forum post on that. Yeah, and and Slackware's been Lilo for, you know. Oh my goodness, yeah. A while. A little bit, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think Grub is just tried and true. That's why we're there. But right, we'll we'll be we'll, we'll be a little risky. We'll, we we'll, we might we'll hack it. at it later. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I want to risk it. I mean, I'm gonna blow it up. I haven't blown it up yet. Somehow, I think that's because it, Dan's been helping me. But it's a long season, though, so there's plenty of time to <laughs> to, to 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 duke it later. We got 15 <laughs> episodes of. I'm gonna break it. I'll just I'll just tell uh, it. Well, to I, I might very well too. <laughs> the way I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Ed on the on the same Gen two check in. That one was pretty popular. It, it was so. Good. 
Is Gen 2 like Arch? Updates all the time, always compiling something? Um, yeah, I think I was a little hasty with the answer on this one. Um, Gen 2 is similar to Arch, depending. So it is rolling, though. So, yeah, updates just kind of come along. Um, it's a slower cadence, though, um, if, especially if you're on the stable branch. Um, yeah. You, you don't you don't always have the the very very latest um it's it's a uh, different i don't know what it's like i guess it's going to be similar to the what you think of for the uh, new open source uh, distribution slow roll oh i know i want to talk about that it's not though because it's it's continually rolling it's just not necessarily some of the latest packages uh in a way it's uh it's got a little more quality assurance, I guess, behind it. Like mm -hmm. some of the like the things don't move until they're they're tested and ready, I guess. So um it's different. I don't know how to describe so, it. So maybe if there were an arch slow roll, that would maybe. be kind of like what Gen 2 stable. I guess yeah, I think that's the the best way to describe it. it and you do, yes, as the updates come along, roll in. Um you're compiling, unless yeah. you have the binary version of things, which is perfectly fine. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, it, it's it's a fine way to go, unless you have a compelling need to, you know, do that, compile without certain things or with certain flags, so. Yeah. So, updates all the time? Uh, I think so, because, like, yeah. we've, been, we've been doing this episode for a while. I think, uh, yeah, right now, Audacity's sitting at an hour 30, so, um, and I'm still compiling, and it's oh, yeah. only been yeah. a week since I did updates. So there's lots to do. Um, yeah. Lots of stuff. I'm doing mine about once a week as well. I think that's a yep. fine fine cadence to, yep. to do that. Yeah. I, I, I do an at world update. Uh, I, oh, well, here, okay, actually, here's the plan. I'm doing an at world update every episode that we sit down to record. And right. we're doing like fun stuff on the live streams. Right, um, adding and, adding things and changing changing things around, yeah. Right, so change some things up in one week, just update them the next, and then change some stuff, and then update them. Change it, update them. So it, it's it's going to be a cool journey. Um, but to the question, always compiling something? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing. Day on, uh, has some comment on episode four of season four here. On the telemetry stuff, mm. um, as much as privacy nerds like me scream and cry, opt-out telemetry is the only type of telemetry that is actually of any use when the objective is to understand the needs of the majority. Yep. Um, I think we totally agree yep, with that, that. Really, seriously, a hundred percent. Because I'm, I'm, I'm that. I'm like, I don't like it. I don't want it, but I'll do it because I like mm. you people. Ugh. Right, but but like if you um if if you you're gonna take it on and make it the default, then we'll get a better sample size. You're gonna get a better sample size. That's yeah. what it amounts to. Yeah, and so that you can you can actually get some data that's you know pretty valuable. Yeah, and and BGT in Matrix has a has the opposite feeling mm -hmm. of this but i think we kind of came to i think we agree as long as there's a way to opt yeah. out as long as it's apparent as long as they're not hiding it from you if i agree if it's front and center right 
and presented like early. Yeah. I think like the one of the first things. Yeah, don't don't suck up my data yet. Let me choose. Right, right. Don't don't get too far down and like get you get you messed up, if you will, uh, you know, thinking about something else and then present that screen. No, put it right out there in the front. Right. Like first thing. I, I agree. And and I think there's a middle ground to be had. And I think I mean, if we're going opt out, I think that's the middle ground. Be very upfront ground, yeah. with it. Put it right in front of your face. Do not let anybody go on without you know, without here it is. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and going going back to the what Fedora was was talking about, I know I mentioned this in the episode, but I'll mention it again because I think there was someone that was like questioning they actually did publish the code, if you will, of how they intended yes, to roll that they did. out. And you could set your own server up and just change the URL so you could see the data that was getting pushed there. I would go one further. I, 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 that's cool. I like that you can set up your own server, but that's not something yeah. that regular folks can do. It's not super do. visible, right? I, I get it. Yeah. I would say that let someone get, even if it's just a text dump in a terminal, let someone yeah. see the information they're about to send. If they care enough to click on the buttons and see it or whatever, give someone a yeah, dump. Or maybe just a, like a log file that yeah. you could go yeah. you know, peruse when you wanted to. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. That would be great. And maybe you can do that. I don't know. I haven't tested it. So, Right. So if I can see it, and I think that was another one of BGT's points, like let me, be, let yep. me see it. Like, and don't make it hard. I don't want to set up a server. Yeah, that's true. But I think they were I don't think they were trying to intentionally hide anything no. and I think that was the point that I was making was there are ways to make it visible and they've they've kind of got it out there um whereas the, I would say a lot of telemetry just about everywhere else they don't they don't present oh, yeah. any of it like, to you it, it, in any sort yeah, of format. <laughs> even if you decided on an iOS device that like the the explicit choice you have to make opt in opt out whatever um, it's not like you get to go in and see what you just sent. It just, nah, nope. it is what it is, <laughs> my man. And that's, uh, yeah, that's scary. Cool. That's, that's kind of why I say no, actually, you know, I didn't really, I haven't, I haven't really thought exactly. about it. I don't know what you're sending, so I don't know what I'm agreeing to. Exactly. Let me see it. Just be as transparent as possible. And I think Fedora was doing that. I think they were they're 99% of the way there. Um, there, mm. there's some things that you could tweak, but that's what the conversation is about. And I think that's, that's right. healthy to have, but I do think. Opt out is the way to go if you actually care about what people think. So Gnome on our first Gagentu live stream said <laughs> uh, the profile will not install no. So a little back, a little backstory here. So in the live stream, so if you listen to the show but you don't uh, watch the live stream live or check it out on YouTube after the fact, um, I had like uh, I had a question. I didn't know, and and I think generally it was a little opaque um so in gen 2 what when you're getting ready for gnome you choose a profile and it says like gnome and you can choose the gnome one which uh relies on openrc which is what i'm doing or you could choose gnome system d which relies obviously on system d which is what i'm not doing um so my question was should i choose gnome and then once i choose that profile and then like recompile at world I'll just have gnome then, right? That was my initial thought. I um, we very quickly found out that is not the case. You don't need no, that. You don't, uh, or, or that's that's not all you have to do. 
you do have to do that. It does get you some things so that you can compile Gnome. Correct. Absolutely. And as Gnome pointed out, it will recompile the entire system in preparation for Gnome. But I do have to go in and emerge AV Gnome base Gnome after right. I do that update. But the reason that I wanted this feedback in here was not necessarily because... Uh, well, I, I just wanted to bring up the fact that when I chose that profile, that was like 30 minutes before the end of the stream. And then we kind of tinkered with a couple of things, uh, verified a couple of things, and then we did the at world update. And it just kept updating until the end of the stream. And I was like, cool. Well, we leave on a high note. I didn't break anything. It's all compiling. Everything's good to go. And then we cut off the stream. And then I check on it a couple hours from then. And it's still compiling. And, oh, wow. So it's still compiling. Okay. Well, uh, I take a shower, get ready for bed, you know, check on it right before I hop into bed. Still compiling. Okay. Cool. So I hop into bed. I go to sleep, wake up for work the next morning, up at eight. Still compiling. Yeah. Whoa. So <laughs> for context, we stopped the stream at 8 p.m. I wake up at uh, before eight. So 8 a.m. still compiling. So we're at we're at about a little over 12, 12 hours. 12 hours. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does not finish until my lunch at 12:30. So this Just a day and a half. This was <laughs> a 16-hour compile. Not to compile gnome, but to compile the things the to get requisites. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um so there's there's more to be done. There's more to be done. Uh but Gnome, thank you for for letting me know all that. Um because at the time I did not know that that was the case. But now I know. And uh so tune in for the next live stream because that's what I'm going to be doing. We're going to be installing the gnome things and yep. uh you know what? So, Getting off yep. topic because we're just going to be compiling the whole time. Yeah. So but he's got his good foundation, so we're ready to go. Ready to go. So next up Reen, and if it's if I pronounce that wrong, I apologize. It's all Leo's fault. Yes, I I said we're going with, with Reen. <laughs> sorry, yeah, and that's I'm where sorry. we're at. And sorry so about that. we're good. It says Pi there, gotcha. Mm -hmm. uh, Leo and Dan just discovered your YouTube channel yesterday. I watched the Pi history video and want to make some notes. I missed a little bit of history about the arm and risk origins, uh, particularly Acorn. Archimedes, etc. Yeah, I I want to say I brushed up to Acorn, yeah, yeah, yeah. but boy, there's a lot of history. Yeah. So yeah, and I think Raspberry Pi actually one of that history was one of the longer ones. Um, it sure was. But yeah. Um, yeah, there's just so much that we have to cut to keep uh, normal. Maybe one day, yeah. Maybe one day we turn this thing, or maybe do a side project where, you know, it's one of those like really cool produced history shows uh one day one day. maybe maybe we'll get that. archimedes we definitely you know right right across yeah archimedes, no we're right so, over to that yeah yep. sorry about that <laughs> that is that is something yeah probably yeah if if we're to touch on it again if we ever get back there again maybe i don't know i keep trying maybe i keep trying to go backwards I, I know dan's like there's more to do and i'm like you're right Boy, there is so much you're, you're absolutely yeah. right we should do more goes on to say I also missed mentioning the role of uh, David Brabin and Sophie Wilson in the creation and design process of Raspberry Pi. I feel like we, yeah, again, just kind of 
skimmed the surface yeah. on some of those things. Mm-hmm. So, And then further to go on says, do you already know the Slackware on ARM project by Stuart Moses Winter? Um, he is doing this since Acorn Risk PC days, and he also made a port, uh, made a rat, art Raspberry Pi port and a brilliant YouTube video about it. Yeah, no, so you got to go further back in our in our history. Actually, yes. It, 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 it pull out the Slackware episode because that was, uh, well, we weren't calling it community focused back then exactly, but that was our community focus for for then. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the uh, the podcast that Slackware group puts together? Mm-hmm. So yeah, you gotta you gotta roll the clock back a little bit further, and we did talk about that. Further to go on here, gnome, gnome. Are you worshiping <laughs> the purest form of evil? And then a wink. Yeah. Well, before we before we say the last thing, that is probably true. Um, yeah. I for for as much as you know what? No. You know what? No. Yes. Absolutely. I for it for as much as folks may not like it, gnome is as far as Linux is concerned, as far as the Linux desktop is concerned, the industry standard, at least for right now. And when I say, hey, do you run Windows? You know, you can picture in your mind what I'm talking about. When you run Mac OS, you can picture in your, in your mind what I'm talking about. And to someone that only runs Windows and Mac, when you say, do you run Linux? I'm going to bet that if there's a picture in their mind, of something, it's gnome, and that's I worship no, but it is, uh, you know, it is, it is the de- is the list. I'm gonna throw something out there, Leo, Uh-oh. and it's not in the script. So we just spent probably twenty thirty minutes talking about Firefox, and do you know what the biggest uh, market share for browser is? Not Firefox? It's not, it's not Firefox. No, no sorry, buddy. <laughs> no. So I don't know that just because GNOME is the most popular desktop out there makes it the best no. choice. No, it, not the best. Just the one that's... It, you might be you might be onto something here with the purest form of evil. And so <laughs> oh. they go on to they go on to say really smart people do use LXQ. So there we go. That, that, we got it. We got it. How dare you? I'd <laughs> further go on to say my setup at home is a Raspberry Pi OS Bullseye 32-bit on a Raspi 400. Okay. Pretty standard. Samsung Evo 870 256 gig SSD. Now we're getting special. On a StarTech USB 3.0, which I use as my daily driver for everything. As so your daily say, driver? That's pretty darn awesome. And it seems like it probably is a decently solid setup. And yeah, like that's cool. Wow. That, wow. Okay. Okay. Well, this begs the question. How good is that keyboard? Is it a really good one? Uh, actually, it, it does seem pretty good. Um, I've only seen them in the store. I I do not have a Raspberry Pi 400 myself, although it's kind of on my list. Because um, like, I'm one of those it, weirdos that like 
I got, I don't I gotta know have if it's a, that good. I got like, no, 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 no. I just I gotta have a good keyboard, and I'm okay with. Oh, I think it's decent though. I think it is decent. But I'm also a weirdo that thinks that the framework keyboard feels very premium. I don't know how many blogs okay. out there are like, yeah, the framework keyboard's fine. It's fine. It's a mobile keyboard, and I'm like, are you kidding? Like you've felt as it. far as laptops go, it's pretty good, right? You've yeah. felt like okay. Because I must be weird because people on ThinkPads are like, it was the best keyboard I've ever used in my life. And I'm like, is it though? Because yeah. every time I try to use a ThinkPad keyboard, I am so inaccurate. And I'm talking like, oh. I use those cheapo 9.99 Dell crap lap uh, keyboards, you know, the ones with the little squishies and I don't like it at all. But what I can say about those is that I'm not inaccurate. I can I can True. type I can touch I don't have to look spacing and travel are are the keys to that I feel like the keys yeah I get you I, 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 I see you <laughs> but but right so on those on crappy Dells on the framework mm-hmm. on a Mac on like anything I'm very accurate but on a right. ThinkPad keyboard I can't hack it like words get split up and squished to get I just I cannot be accurate on a ThinkPad key. It's the worst part about a ThinkPad. And mm. maybe I didn't use it at the right time. Maybe it's this is a T450S. It's not like it's a bad model and I can't do it. So that was where the question came from. It must that, that's, that's a valid question, but I I I've not heard of anything that says uh anything negative about it. Um, cool. So I mean, I'd be interested to try it out too. So that's a yeah. Because for the point. longest time, you could only get the Pi Four Hundred. That's all you could get. Oh, I know. Yeah. Which and, and I was very yeah. close to buying one. But this might this yeah. might convince me. I might do it. And I think they they do have some performance enhancements over the regular. They do. Raspberry yeah, Pi because 4, there's, there's, so there's a reason to to get one. There's better thermals. It's already faster. Like out of the box, it's yep. faster. You don't even have to overclock mm-hmm. it. It's faster. So. Yeah, yeah, I think I might. Ah, ooh, ah, Reen, why? How dare you? You've done it. Ah, I, I don't might know. Do it. I might do it. Okay, okay. Uh, 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 but but they go on to say that their mobile device is a Fujitsu Lifebook uh, S760 with Debian 11.7, uh, 32-bit. Alex, cute, of course. Um, You're a Debian Milo, person. That's so cool. That's that is cool. So 292 megabytes of RAM. Idle after cold boot, by the way. That's that's pretty awesome. That's stuff. slim. If I didn't accidentally mm-hmm. nuke my Debian off of this laptop, I'd still be a Debian user. I just okay, by the next episode I'll be a Debian user again, but I accidentally nuked it. So Yeah. I still have I I was smart. I took my drive out before I went and did stuff. <laughs> I we've we've established I am not smart. <laughs> so I still have mine and I plan to put it back in eventually. I just haven't done it yet. <laughs> so final statement here is have you tried Risk OS officially listed in the imager? And uh we haven't. And it's something that I think we need to do. I want to. I absolutely want to. It's on the list of things to do, but not yet. There are a few other links that uh, that we didn't talk about that uh, we're going to have in the show notes that you can check out, like uh, Plan Nine's Foundation website and EasyOS and Wi-Fi Sheep. There's some really cool stuff. So if you haven't done it yet, uh, yeah, look, look right, right here, right. I don't, I don't know where the camera's at. Like here-ish, right above me, there are links 
go to the links. But what's not up there is the email. If for some reason you're a curmudgeon like me and you like email because it's a simple protocol and <laughs> I mean. It's the original federated protocol. It is. You think about federation. Email was the first. You can email us at contact at linuxuserspace.show or just visit the website, linuxuserspace.show. You can send us a direct message from the website itself or yep. you can find all the other links that are right up there. So another focus session here, Leo. This is community focus. And, uh, you know, I probably, a uh, little hindsight, Probably should have had this focus uh, going into our Silver Blue episode, but I wasn't that smart and didn't get it organized well enough. You know why? Because Silver Blue is immutable. You just can't mute it. Therefore, we're still talking about it. That's true. Yeah, no, and it's, it's <laughs> it, it was pretty great time. It was good. It was better than I expected. Let me put it that way. So, because we were talking about all the immutable stuff, I really want to draw some focus to George Castro. Yep. who is making some great YouTube uh, content and is working on Ublue and Univer Universal Blue. Um, but his his thoughts and views are, are pretty great around the immutable desktops and the tools that, that surround that. So, you know, George hasn't always used those, but is now and has some good guidance, I think. We didn't fully forget because I did mention that um, George Castro, I watched his micro OS and how it oh, yeah. differs from Silver Blue video kind of yep. in the lead up to the history. So, you know, uh, what, what, yeah. I might have tossed some links in there, too, that went to some of those pages, but I, I, we just didn't focus on yeah. it. So here we are. As far as as far as visibility goes, uh, George Castro is probably one of the most visible people that is pushing yeah. forward the immutable lifestyle. And I love yep. it. I absolutely love that this could very well be your Linux in a few years. Now, you know, the Ubuntu's and the Rels might not be there yet, and probably the Debian's either. But the derivatives of those are really going to start yeah, leaning this direction because of the ease of use. He talks about some tips that make it easier for you, too. And I definitely picked up on some for myself. Yep. 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 Yeah. I mean, learning about micro OS and how it how it was a little different than than Silverblue was was absolutely fantastic. I mean, and I don't know, I feel like I'd be. Cool, cool guy to hang out with and have beer with because uh, no, he seems I very interesting. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I could I could listen for a while. Absolutely. Yeah, he's been around a bit. He knows a thing or two. So uh, definitely you could pick up some tips and tricks there. So George Castro, I'll put the links in the in the, in the show notes. Um, got a YouTube and some other places. All right. Last focus. Gentoo focus. Okay, so we got to recap. Uh, we talked about it a little bit in the feedback, but got to recap here. Um, okay, so the way that this has been going, and I think I really like the way that this has kind of been fleshing out, is we do all these weird changes in the live stream, which happen a week before we record and come about a yeah. So it's it's like the you 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 get the live stream notifications the day after this episode 
drops. Just a just a hint. Right. So when this episode drops the next day, we're gonna go make some more changes, and then in the next episode, mm-hmm. we'll talk about how that worked out. And so this is the result of the last time we decided to make changes, and we learned a few things. So, okay, we got the gnome profile selected. That was where we were in in the first Gen two focus. I had gotten to a compiled system. We could log into it. We could SSH into it. I could make changes to it all remotely. And that was fantastic. So we compiled that system once and then we waited. And here and and then we we came up to the last live stream, which is yep. the whole purpose of this was to get GNOME on the system, or at least compiling to get onto the system. But little did I know. <laughs> Did not know that just selecting the GNOME profile would not install GNOME. Okay, it turns out that uh, what we did yeah. on the live stream was we chose the GNOME profile, and then we kind of hemmed and hawed a little bit, kind of figured it out, but we ended up uh, compiling at world with uh, the new use flag, and I just took the flag off. I meant to write it down, and I forgot to write it down. Um, but there was another flag that we took off when I I started compiling for today, because by the way, uh, probably, probably the uh, the update one maybe I don't I don't remember which one. Yeah, well I don't want to interrupt it. <laughs> it's compiling back there. Um, yeah, I don't remember what we took off. I don't. I just don't. I'll I'll come back with another update. Uh, and we'll definitely talk mm-hmm. about it on the live stream. Uh, but we took off a couple of flags, and now we're 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 right currently right now uh, at right. the start of the episode. I started compiling all over again, so we'll have updates. We'll be fresh for tomorrow. Um, to do, uh, or not not tomorrow, for the, well, yeah, I guess technically if you're hearing this tomorrow, right. <laughs> we'll yeah. be doing the live stream. Fast forward. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, but that update, as soon as we updated, you know, new use and all that at world, it took 16 hours to compile all of the things that are needed to get on the system before we installed GNOME. So that might've been a little longer than like even old tater top over there took just saying, but I have a reason for that. Um, All right. Yeah. Okay. uh, So that took 16 (laughs) hours. Um, We're going to get GNOME on there on the next live stream. So, so if you're hearing this at normal time, you're not early access or anything. If you're hearing this normal time tomorrow and, it was mostly my fault that it took 16 hours. It probably shouldn't have taken 16 hours, probably closer to 10-ish, uh, maybe. That sounds about right. Right, yeah. because... Mm-hmm. little overnight compile, and you're, you're ready in the next I morning. I sure did. I went to bed, and I woke up, and it was still going. But mm-hmm. it's mostly my fault because I limited jobs in an, in an abundance of caution because in the Gentoo Handbook, right. it was like, you know, about a gig for your system, about a gig for a job. And I only gave two gigs to the two gigs to the uh, yeah I think I only gave two gigs to the system maybe uh, because I was like was Gen two how much could you need well well it's like a job um, so like if you have two cores um, yeah I think you want to limit your jobs because but you have some limited RAM in addition to that so you right. don't want to you know have too many jobs going yeah I've got I've got two because, cores like your processors in, in a way like. It, 
your processor can get ahead of the amount of RAM that you have, right. and then you can get yourself locked up. Exactly. And you didn't you, you didn't want to do that. Yeah. So to recap, I've had two processors in a VM. It's all in a VM because I'm scared. Right. Uh, I have two processors. That's eh, a good place to learn. And two gigs of RAM. The system took, you know, a couple hundred gigs of RAM. Um, the first compile took less than I expected. It didn't take a full gig of RAM. It took like 700. So we were barely over a gig of RAM. And by the by the end of the live stream, I was saying, maybe yeah. I should bump this up to Jobs 2 before the next live stream. And so that's what I'm going to do. Right. Um, we're going to try Jobs 2, but this is also going to be the live stream where we're compiling GNOME. So this could go horribly wrong. It, it- <laughs> and, it, and it could go just as long as it did last time, it could. but you'll probably get twice as many packages compiled in that well, amount of time. <laughs> one, one of the I, I found out later on, because uh, I put this out on Mastodon, that um, Rust like oh, takes a while. That was one that really chewed up my system, Ye- just so you know. Yeah. I ended up going to binary on that. Well, I should, and I probably maybe one day, but... The whole point of Gen right, 2 right. is to compile it all. So you don't start there. Yeah. yeah that's not where you I'm start. I'm gonna compile yeah. Rust and I've already run into the thing that people that are like, Oh, I'm gonna do the Rust binary, you know, run into before they decide they're gonna do the binary. I did it and it right. took hours. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. So we're going uh next live stream, we're going jobs two. Uh well, I don't I'm not gonna change the RAM yet. But okay. um but I'm going to go jobs too, and I think that's probably going to take us up to the peak. What I don't want, though, uh, I'd prefer to keep swap to a minimum. I have two gigs of swap on the yeah. system. I think it's good to have it there because in case you get into the, the situation where things right. start to run away a little bit, you want that, right? Right. But you're right. You don't want to be pressuring it a lot for a lot of different reasons. It's just reading rights on your on your system. Um and so you don't want to do that if you can avoid it. If I were running Gen 2 on a hard disk, this would be a different story. But I'm not. I'm running Gen mm-hmm. 2 on the SSD that I have in my Proxmox machine that right. also runs other things I would also like to not explode. So Yeah, so you don't want to be thrashing your disk. Right, though. right, right, right. Just to, you know, I don't want to I don't want to lower its life expectancy or anything like that. So mm-hmm. if I see during this first GNOME compile that we're really thrashing the disk, maybe I'll I'll back up and I'll just accept that it's going to take a little while to compile. And that's fine because we're going a few days between, you know, needing to yeah, touch. Yeah, it's not, we don't need it. Yeah, right, yeah. Exactly. And it's not like a, it's not like a actual system that's probably going to have more processor, more RAM, better disk all, all around, right. right? Now, one of these days, this guy right here is going to be actually running the Gen 2 system that uh, I want to be dealing with on a day-to-day. Um, mm-hmm. But until that happens, I want to try to keep that thrashing down to a minimum. Yeah. I'll buy a whole nother SSD just for this guy. That makes sense. I yeah. mean, they are actually probably... They're cheap. They're pretty really cheap. cheap. I get a whole 128 gig disc just for... I don't even think... Well, you, can, you can't even buy those anymore. Did, I think 256 I is probably as little as they get anymore. What was these? I bought these these cheap... These are cheap. These are two fifty six. That's yeah, what they were. Yeah, exactly. You can't buy them smaller so, like, than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take a look well, at that. What is that? that a T force? Like... T force Vulcan Z. Yeah. Oh yeah. What is that? Like twenty five dollars. <laughs> twenty maybe. I don't remember. They were like crazy cheap. I right. bought a couple of them just just to have around to to stuff in machines when I I don't want to wreck maybe 
you know, what I got going on there, but uh, I want to test something out. I throw one of these in there and then swap it back out later, maybe. Exactly. So, and so, um, yeah. So I, I, I bought a couple of those just on a lark, and they were cheap. Smart. That's probably what I'll do. I mean, yeah, uh, I'll just get me a disc just for Gen two, so I can have like you know sixteen. Oh, actually, this machine has twenty gigs of RAM, so I'll need. Oh yeah, man. I'll, Jeez, I'll need twenty if I want to hibernate. You know, right? I want twenty mm-hmm. gigs of swap. Mm-hmm. that'll be plenty for it. That's a, I mean, they're, they're at a pretty good price right now. That's fantastic. But, um, this build is temporary. Don't want to thrash that disc too much. So we'll, we're going to play this one by ear and kind of jobs one jobs two kind of figure out how it's going to go. But right now I've got a pretty good functioning system. It's been stable. I've been able to SSH into it whenever I need to. It's always responsive. Mm-hmm. Every, uh, the past couple of live streams, uh, you know, it's been a good system. Now, I can't say I've been doing a whole lot with it yet, but we're just not to that point. Right. So when we get hey, there- I can, I can say I have been doing some things with mine. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah, no. So like I grabbed it the other day when my battery was dying on, on my normal laptop that I normally use. And so I wanted to, I didn't want to plug in. Uh, so I, I brought that back into the office, plugged it in here, and then I grabbed Tater Top. And amazingly, the battery lasts pretty well on that thing still, even though it's ancient. And so I grabbed it and I watched some YouTube videos. I might have even, I feel like I loaded up something else that was probably uh, needed like the DRM stuff. Potentially, I don't even remember what I I, might have, but I definitely watched YouTube for quite a little while on the battery. And uh, yeah, no, it's, it worked. It's, uh. That thing's no speed demon, but it worked fine. It was it was a pretty good experience. The power of Linux. It's fantastic. Breathing a little life back into some ancient uh, tech. You just have to spend, you know, 60 watts for 12-ish hours to compile Plasma to get there. <laughs> it's true, but once you're there, it's a solid system and it, it works pretty decent. I forget who I was talking to. Oh, no, it was it was uh it was Eric Adams. We were talking about you know what? What the point is about running a system like Gen two and Slackware? That's still a good question, and we're 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 checking on that all season long. Yeah, and, and I'm <laughs> I'm really cozying up to that. All of the the performance that you gain with a Gen two, you you, it's not free. You pay it up front. You pay it up front oh, yeah. in compiling yeah. your software for specifically your so- your your hardware, so that yeah. when you the human are using it, you may even be able to perceive a better performance day to day in everything that you do. But you paid for it. Yeah. You paid for yeah, well, it up front. I, I would say the. The other cost there is uh, you and your labor in in doing some maintenance. Um, so knowledge. yeah, that doesn't come that doesn't come free either. But yeah, you 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 gain some knowledge and and it gets easier along the way. Yep, absolutely. That's my focus uh, with with all of this Gen two stuff because I think I'm I'm like I'm I'm running headlong into it with with uh, eyes shut. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm trying yep. to run into the things that that, oh, mess me up. Me too. Yeah. Essentially, I'm running the testing, you know, 
version, even though I'm told that that gets a little QA before things land in there, even. Yeah. Um, it's still a little riskier. Let's, let's, let's face it. Sure. So, I mean, some of these things are, are pretty new still. So, um, even me, yeah, like I'm trying to bump into some of the things too, and I'm, I'm kind of not. Like it's it's working. Yeah, yeah. See, isn't it frustrating when you when you? Uh, I can't break it when I want to, right. but when it's broken, I can't get it fixed. Yeah, exactly. Like the the whole point is that like I'm trying to shake the tree so hard that apples hit me in the face, and then like they're just falling around me, and I'm like, w- someone they told me apples would hit me in the face. What's going wrong <laughs> here? Yeah. yeah, they all landed in the bucket. Darn it! I know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I'm, I don't know. This, that, that's a testament to software QA. That's a testament to the handbook. That's a testament to just the people that surround the yep. project that make the project ah. what it is. And it's so good. So, so some takeaways that I've gotten here is, um, there, like it, it. Yes, you can choose your own adventure, but the package management tools um really kind of do help help you a ton yeah a ton like it it does a lot of the work for you there's no it asks you some questions and you've got to make some decisions but ultimately it it does it it does the work yeah well the last time i updated and this may be the thing this may be the the turning point um Mm -hmm. it said i had to go in and like configure some, some configuration files. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I remember that. Yep. Yeah, I didn't do that. Uh and I, I I've done I just ran another update. Mm, so Okay. Well I've done that a couple of times and uh yeah, d- depending on the thing. Uh because you'll get merge conflicts sometimes if you don't make some configuration okay. changes. And it'll tell you that. And so I did so a few times, depending. But it it gives you guides. Like it it, it tells you what to do. Okay. Well, uh, so if it if this doesn't burst into flames after this, um, I, I'll make sure to go in. Well, actually, I'll save them for the live stream. We'll go through those mm-hmm. configuration, the whatever conflicts, and mm-hmm. and see if we can't fix them. And then we'll we'll slap gnome on there. That's that's the whole. Yep. That's the whole point. I've been having fun. All right. So uh, next time, we're going to talk about the history of CDE or the common desktop environment. Uh. That's that's a good one. And so, so far, I did manage to get it installed even a yeah. couple of times. Um, the, the original CDE, not not the newer, newfangled. Not NSCDE. Uh, not, uh, not so common. Um, which is also something I want to try before we do the episode. So we can do a little compare and see where we're, it's not a port, but like. Kind of a futuristic, I guess. Oh, so it's got like more features or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like I need to see the differences. We'll What's find the difference? out. What, what? So that's that's something that I have to try yet. Okay. But ultimately, we're going to give some history of that and talk about our experiences and maybe even the differences between the two. Cool. Yeah. So in between shows, you can catch us on Twitter, Mastodon, Telegram, Matrix, Discord, all those places. You know, give us some suggestions. Talk about the Gen 2 and how we're holding it wrong. On our subreddit, or on Lemmy, we got a forum even there where you can kind of join the conversation and talk to us. Um, give us all the ideas, and you can catch all the links and show notes on linuxuserspace.show. So, Leo, where can we find you? Uh, of course, you can find me over on the... 
Twitter? Question mark. Yeah, X. X. <laughs> you said it, not bird. me. Bird. X bird thing. <laughs> yeah, the the bird thing. At Leo Chavez. Um, you can also find me at Leo Chavez at Mastodon dot social. I mean, Mastodon dot social. That yeah. Uh, and you can find me at KC2BEZ on the... The bird thing. thing. <laughs> and then uh, you can find me at KC2BEZ at Mastodon.social. Join us in two weeks when we return to the Linux user space. Bye. Bye now. So... Here's some highlights that you probably don't realize that are GNU things. Um, and they came with the receipts. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, DD Rescue, that is crazy popular. People use that a lot. That is a GNU thing. Um, uh, the other, Bash, like Bash. So, Bash, your Bash shell, that's fairly GNU supported. Um, or at least the one we use. Um, so, obviously, GIMP. That's the GNU image oh, manipulation right. project, right? Right. Um, so, obviously, very GNU. Ooh, 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 I know one. Uh, it's not anymore, but it used to be GNOME. GNOME, yeah. Started out as a GNU project. It, it did, yep. Um, but some other lower-level things, uh, Gawk. So, oh, yeah. Right? Um, that is... Um, what else have we got? Less, less. I use less as my pager everywhere.